Hi, this is Brendan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Adam Balderstone and Joel Clark to talk about The Curse of Frankenstein, the 1957 Frankenstein film starring Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee and directed by Terrence Fisher. This is a Hammer Films movie. Um, it's also X-rated, which uh, you guys probably didn't even pick up on while you were watching it, I'm assuming, because it doesn't really look particularly X-rated these days. Um, but uh, It's a... Oh, it's go a ahead. British X rating, which is a different thing than American, though. So, but still, for the t- it's still meant for like adult consumption was the idea. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, and so so this version they obviously take liberties with the story. They 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 pare it down, and uh, it's and and the Frankenstein monster is quite different from the universal version of of Frankenstein, and and also I think Frankenstein in this one the Doctor is a bit more of a jerk than in in the universal versions um so i don't know i mean do, do we need to recap the plot or do we just want to talk about the movie like you know this this one kind of really focuses it on frankenstein um you know uh, his his sort of tutor slash assistant named kempa and and elizabeth as well as um the justine character is now like a um a maid that's having an affair with dr frankenstein um and uh and and it's 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 uh, I don't know it's it's a very quick uh, quick movie and it has kind of a surprising ending I think as well uh, so you know uh, which we're going to talk about but what did you guys think of it I uh, I really enjoyed this like you say it focuses a lot on uh, on Doctor Frankenstein as opposed to the monster the monster obviously is important but he doesn't he doesn't really come across as much of a character in this movie but uh but yeah the the portrayal of frankenstein is this just is this really selfish kind of self-involved character it's really enjoyable like cushing just does a great job as frankenstein it's it's a great contrast to the role he has in in a uh, horror of dracula where he's this this noble heroic figure and here he's just like this polar opposite selfish jerk and uh I, yeah it's 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 a lot it's a very fun movie what what so what did you think of it joel um it, it actually surprised me a lot i like full disclosure i recently re-reread uh the original frankenstein by mary shelley for a, mm. a school report right before i graduated it's actually the very last paper i had to write was on frankenstein so not only did I get to read it, uh, because this was a broader overview of the Romantic era of, like literature, I got to read about the history and about Shelley's marriage and like a whole bunch of interesting stuff. Um, so I got kind of a deep delve into the character of Doctor Frankenstein, and it's sort of surprising how like, how Brendan mentioned that this is really different from the Universal movie, which itself is very different than the source material. Yeah. And, they both have some similarities with the novel and this has different similarities and some of them are really good. Like I actually really like this characterization of Frankenstein because Mm -hmm. there's a real feeling because the the novel Frankenstein is narrated by him kind of, it's a little like, it's kind of a story of a story of a story, but he's, he says a lot in it. Like he's got a big word count and there's a lot of question about just how much he's changing the story. Yes. Because we yes. also get the creature story and we also get like, so we get different perspectives and there's a lot about it where he seems like an unreliable narrator. So it's not impossible to read that Frankenstein, the literary Frankenstein 
as this Frankenstein, have just having got a little further in his career and uh, found out that he should be lying about what he's been doing with his life a little bit more eloquently. Um, yeah. And this this Frankenstein can tell a convincing lie. This Doctor yeah. Frankenstein is a is a smooth operator, and um, I, I really like him. He's a magnificent bastard. He's like like you said, Adam. He's extraordinarily well portrayed. And seeing mm -hmm. that back to back difference between this and uh, Cushing's portrayal of Van Helsing, it's like night and day. This guy's got an incredible range. Mm -hmm. uh, I mentioned this in the other podcast, but for me, he's like Grandma Tarkin. Like, I'm an idiot American, so that's where I know him from. <laughs> yeah, uh, well. And I even, like, comparing him... Like, yeah, it's a big role, you know? Or rather, it's a role in a big movie. I don't want to call it a big role exactly, but it's it's iconic, you know? Yeah. Um, but even comparing it to that, uh, it's still a really different character, a different kind of villain. So it's it's and incredible he, to watch. And he is the villain, which is important, yes. I think. I think you yeah, can... Yeah. Even... Oh, go ahead. Like oh, the monster. Say, oh. oh, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, I, you know, as far as Frankenstein, I mean, going back to the novel, it's been a decade since I've read it. But I mean, as the novel is partly Mary Frank, Mary Frankenstein, Mary, Mary Shelley's <laughs> working out her, uh, her like issues with her father and being this cold jerk it's uh it makes sense of course that in the novel that that there would be that element to it but uh well and that's not a portrayal of a good father and, and people don't <laughs> comment on that enough that uh the the thing that like is like like it's it's obviously a tale about hubris and man you know uh probing into realms maybe he shouldn't but more than that you know it all could have worked out if he had actually taken care of the monster in the novel. You know, in the novel, mm -hmm. it's his yeah. rejection of the monster and his, like, abandonment and his coldness and lack of being a real father that is what sends the monster on that path of destruction. Um, oh, yeah. And, the, and so, in the novel, there's a lot of pathos for the monster. It's characterized as a character. But in this, yeah. the point I was going to get to earlier was that it's it's really not. It's an extension of... Frankenstein's hubris and his evil character, you know. Yeah, the the monster in this um, has a really it, it does it, it almost doesn't have a personality in a lot of ways. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, it's it's I agree. yeah, it's it's it, but it works. Like there's the scene where they first unveil the monster, where I think they do a reverse crank thing to mm -hmm. kind of speed it up, and it looks amazing. And that's oh, kind God. of I wasn't ready for that. It was yeah. a jump scare. It was. <laughs> yeah, it was a jump scare. That's exactly what it was. But it worked, and it and it. Um, I don't know. I I feel like that's how the monsters presented throughout the movie. It's more about the movement of the creature, and it's not. It's not even really about like occasionally you get a glimpse of its confusion, and it's you know it, 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 there's definitely sympathetic glimpses into this thing, but but for the most part, it's like Joel is saying, it's just an extension of Frankenstein's evil and yeah it's because i mean yeah it is interesting that i mean i'm not going to call it a weakness but it is it is an element that's kind of missing from this version is frankenstein as a character Cause even the universal one he's much more of a character in the universal version you kind of see different aspects to his personality but like i said i wouldn't really call it a flaw because what this movie does is perfect it, like yeah. it does exactly what it's trying to do so it's just it's just picking one element to focus on for purposes of this movie and i also like how this is framed because like joel was saying the the first version of the novel is a story within a story with the ship sequence that you're talking about mm -hmm. and frank is and uh and in this one 
it's told from a jail cell where Victor Frankenstein is awaiting execution and he brings in a priest hoping to convince him that that you know that if his you know the truth of his story so that they don't execute him and what's kind of interesting about that is he tells us the story which is the movie we see and the story that we see does not exonerate him of crimes so he's yes. he's just trying to convince the priest that he's created life and he thinks that that detail is going to somehow exonerate him but he includes the murders that he commits like he he yes. kills he kills a a greatly respected genius professor to use his brain for example um you know he, he just you know he 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 doesn't kill justine himself but he locks her in the room with the creature knowing that she's going to die because she threatens to go to the authorities if he doesn't marry her so there's you know the, he's he, even the story that he tells to save himself is condemning so it just shows how you know what though? That's actually in the novel too. That scene is straight out of the novel. The, the whenever he finally uh, meets the creature on, the, on one of his many journeys, uh, <laughs> it kills his friend, and he gets the crime pinned on him, and he's like awaiting execution, and like he just flips out and just spills his guts to someone. I think it's actually a, a sheriff or something that arrested him that he spills his guts to, and the guy's like, "Okay, well you're clearly crazy. Let's get your dad here." <laughs> <laughs> well, what's what's interesting is how a lot of those moments in the book do make their way in, like like, and again, the same with the Universal. Like the blind man does make an appearance in this one, even if it's mm-hmm. a very brief moment sitting by a yeah, rock. Uh, I, I like the way they almost basically it's like they know you've seen the Universal version. They're going to subvert your expectations. Yeah. You think, oh, here's the scene. There's the kid by the water, yeah. and he's going to throw the kid in the water and befriend the blind man. Yeah. And it's like, no, that's not, <laughs> not what happens. <laughs> And uh, and also, I, I think I think by starting it with the young younger version of Victor Frankenstein, played by that very kind of annoying voiced actor, that really worked to set the stage for the type of person that we're dealing with. Do you know what I mean? Like that was yes. a really effective lead in to the to the whole personality. And I like the addition of having him have an affair with 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 the uh, with the maid with Justine. And and just how much of a jerk he is. Like, he's real. Like, a lot of times they make Victor Frankenstein kind of sexless because he's so obsessed with um, with his, you know, with his agenda of putting together the creature and everything. And here yeah. he's, he's still obsessed, but he's also very human and has the same appetites that a normal person does, which I think makes it, I don't know, it makes him a more believable villain. That he's it having does. it also it makes, it more makes sense to it being being the first hammer film too because that kind of thing is an element in a lot of hammer yeah. films that there is this kind of eroticism to things so it's uh but but yeah i like too because i actually got interrupted in the middle of watching it and i put the movie back a little bit right at the point where there's kind of the reveal mm-hmm. of that and it's it's great because the maid in the previous scene you can see her being jealous or you can kind of yeah. see her reaction and you know it's just like everything is set up perfectly ahead of time so and the thing is oh go like, ahead go thematic ahead. well thematically the callousness towards creative life is really driven home by the scene which where he arranges for his blasphemous created life to destroy the woman who is carrying his child yeah really like yeah. that yeah that's yeah, yeah that that whole plot really works from you know it's a number of different angles you know and, and the fact that just the 
the the blatant lie of he says that he's going to marry her and then when she you know says well are you going to marry me and he's like you know what makes you think i would marry you you know it's it's a it's a it's it's a really un i mean obviously since then there have been versions of frankenstein that have gotten into that territory but i feel like that's like a real deviation from what your expectation would be at this point of of the frankenstein character so yeah, um, well, I like I like early earlier in the movie too. I just like the whole scene where he's like, "Well, they've they've reanimated that dog," and it's like, "Oh, but let's not tell anybody this." It's like even as a scientist, he's like a scientist who's not going to share his knowledge with anybody. He yeah. wants to sit on top of all of this. Yeah. <laughs> what I also want to talk about something that I noticed this time around is just how many amazing medical achievements this guy makes in the pursuit of. Of creating life like because he, he masters brain surgery to a degree that's never been done it's implied that he he knows how to fix a severed spinal cord because he cuts off the head and puts another one on there's all these massive massive achievements and also i like yeah, the even, fact oh go ahead go ahead well even today they'd be gigantic if you knew how to do those yes. reliably and and also oh. when when they do bring the dog to life kempa's whole angle is this would be great for performing surgery on people yeah, it's 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 very grounded in like a real kind of medical thing, which I like. Yeah, I like that touch, too. But. Uh, um, sorry. Go oh, ahead. that's OK. That's OK. Um, but uh, but yeah, so so uh, but I just like how it's um, I don't know. It, it, there's they don't really dwell on it, but he does all these things that, you know, I mean, obviously, Frankenstein's supposed to be a scientific and medical genius because of what he's doing. But mm-hmm. but all of these little he performs brain surgery on the damaged brain. Do you know what I mean? He does all these little things that would have you know just been light years ahead of anything that. Yeah. that Since would've... I wasn't here last week, I don't know if you guys talked about it, but, but Peter Cushing's performance in uh, Horror of Dracula, I liked the fact there when he was giving the blood transfusion, just his mannerisms and everything. I don't were so dead on like yeah. this very professional doctor that it just felt like it felt like he spent time like learning how to do this just so he could do it properly in the movie just had that feel to it. It's like, like I say, the detail in this is kind of along the same lines. It's like they actually kind of care about the little things, even though it's it's completely implausible science. They they add these touches to make it feel more real. I I agree. I think I think that he's a very believable doctor. He definitely mm-hmm. and and if you ever see any of the sequels, it becomes more apparent because like in Revenge of Frankenstein, he's actually there's like a whole medical board that he has to deal with, and he's got a he's uh-huh. got like a hospital with like some kind of infirmary where he's 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 severing people's he's he, he's amputating limbs because he wants them for his experiments, but it's it all looks like it's in the name of you know, treating the poor and stuff. Um, so, uh, but one thing I, I do want to talk about, and, you know, I guess it would lead into, you know, the sequel is, uh, is the way the movie ends. I'm curious how you guys felt about the ending of the movie. Cause this is a film where at the end of the movie, Frankenstein is brought to the, to the guillotine. Um, yeah. and, <laughs> Well, I mean, obviously they don't quite, they don't, they leave it, they do leave just enough ambivalence for a sequel there, but, uh, <laughs> just, it's actually... just enough. You got to squeak out through it. Um, yeah, I, I think thematically having him killed at the end of it, like puts a nice ribbon on it. I, I really think it does because I don't know, like the, the whole thing, 
you're sort of waiting for the hammer to fall on the guy because he, he's mm-hmm. playing God, he's murdering people, he's breaking people's hearts, and then murdering people, he's like orchestrating infanticide. Like he really is just a monstrous, terrible character. And he, like you said, even when he is telling the story to exonerate himself, it's more about how like, no, I'm God now, you can't yeah. kill me, and less about I'm innocent of wrongdoing. He doesn't seem to understand that he's yeah. done such hideous things. And yeah, those are bad. Uh, so, I mean, to a degree, there's a little bit of like it's, it's a little evangelical in a way. I'm not super happy that with the, the that the bad guy gets killed at the end, but you can't have a better horror movie ending than an execution at the very end. Yeah. So I think it, I think it works thematically. And I think it works structurally. Well, and it's also what would happen to the guy. It's like what it's yeah. like that's what you would do to somebody who did all those things right in that time. And so it's a believable ending. And like you said, like if he had moral scruples, he would have at least lied about some of the horrible things he did because he probably like a, a, a like a person with any moral qualities would would either not be able to accept those things about them themselves. They would have to kind of lie to themselves about why they did what they did and what they did, or they would at least want to cover them up because they'd understand that other people yeah. have those issues. But he's got no clue. Like he pushes an old man off of a you know off of a. Um, uh, you know, the second story of a house into the court. You know, it, it's. I have to point out too that though I did think it was funny that he pushes the body off and the body lands on its head, and then he gets mad at the other guy yes. for ruining his yeah. brain. For damaging. I, the I brain. don't know if that like, was I deliberate, think... but it was. Re- if it was deliberate, it was a nice touch. Yeah, I don't know if it was deliberate either, but if it, well, even if the it way wasn't, the dummy fell when they shot it. It it, but, uh... it, it does kind of <laughs> emphasize his inability to accept any responsibility for the you know the things that go wrong here and and to put all of the blame on the kemp and kemp obviously you know did i mean they smashed the the brain against a wall in a bag which has got to do considerable damage but But also uh, he put a brain into a bag yes yes there is that too so (laughs) yeah there's that there is that but uh but i I, I, what's what's interesting about the scene where he kills the professor is that's the scene where you really understand just how evil he is. Like you get glimpses of his evil before that, but he's not actually, I don't think he's killed anybody at that point. Right. So that's what we call a moral event horizon because like, and (laughs) man, that fall, the guy does like they show him like do a somersault in the air and land on his head and neck and then like crumple over dead. It's pretty surprising. It's it's gruesome. Great. It's gruesome. Yeah, Yeah, it's gruesome. And when I first saw this, like the very first time I saw it, I remember thinking that when the professor was at his house, that he surely wasn't going to kill him. Like that thought was in my head, but my sense was he's going to like have him sign over the rights to his brain for experimentation or something. You know, like there's got to be something that's sketchy, but not evil to the degree that of murder. Um, well, I just I just like his un, how uncomfortable, like mildly, but disguised discomfort Frankenstein has when Krempa shows yes, up. You know, it's yeah. like, yeah, I thought you weren't going to be here tonight. You know, it's like <laughs> that was the moment I was like, he's going to murder him. <laughs> well, and, and if and if you don't catch it at that point, definitely when he says, "There's a painting I want you to see on the you yeah. know before you go to bed," <laughs> then it's like, okay, this guy's definitely about to get murdered. But um, yeah. but. But that's that's when everything really takes a big turn, I think, in terms of, you know, clearly the sky is just beyond redemption. Um, yeah. But I really like how this series 
the villain of the movie is Frankenstein. It isn't even really the monster. Do you know what I mean? Like the monsters can they pose a kind of threat. Do you know what I mean? But but Frankenstein is the real villain. I think that's an interesting take on it. Yeah, I mean Frankenstein is dangerous, but he's not evil in any kind of moral sense in what he's doing in this movie. He just is. That's just what he does. He strangles people. <laughs> and in the second yeah, one, you, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Well, if you build a strangle people machine and it strangles people, can you call it evil? Like, no. But the guy who made the strangle people machine is definitely evil. So, I mean, exactly. the, the monster in this just looks kind of confused most of the time. Like, it doesn't even really. It just seems to be acting on instinct or impulsive rage and uh, maybe mm-hmm. some primal desire to defend itself. It's not really a. It doesn't seem to have any kind of, um, you know, ability to make moral decisions on its own. So yeah, that, that is an important distinction in the novel, too, because there's a moral agency to the creature before yeah. it starts committing horrific acts of moral turpitude <laughs> in the novel. And in this one, yeah, it's it's like if you brought a cow back from the dead and it sat on you and you died. It's like the cow's just doing what a cow does, man. What's interesting is in the sequel, the monster that he makes actually looks like a regular guy, except for like a little tiny scar up around here, and can talk well, and behave like. Refined the technique. Um, what was that? He's clearly refined the. Technique. Oh, he, he he made some major refinements uh, into the sequels. Um, <laughs> Got a doctor in cosmetic surgery between sequels. And and this is actually not the most evil version of Frankenstein we get. Like when when Hammer Studios is or sorry Hammer Films is um sort of trying to catch up with the culture and still shock people and taking really big chances. There, there are some scenes in, I think um, Frankenstein must be destroyed that are, that really cross some lines that this movie doesn't even get close to. Um, But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I do like uh, just, I don't know the, the way that they portray Frankenstein in this one. And also I like, I like how, um, you know, in this movie it's you know they move away from like the universal stuff where you have like the you know the like disfigured assistants and things like that where it's more mm-hmm. like a dashing assistant who's kind of really more the he looks more like a leading man in this than peter cushing does and yeah and so um i i thought i thought that works too i don't know how you guys felt about the kempe character um, he's kind of it's funny because he is the character who's good and wants to do the right thing all the time but there's just something something about that character that somehow I never really liked that character and I can't can't put my finger on it and it's like it's, it's an interesting way it works in that movie it is interesting and I, I share that and I think it's just because he's kind of a stick in the mud like because we came to Frankenstein to see <laughs> yeah. the animated creature and all evil stuff and he's like oh that's bad we shouldn't yeah. do that and yeah. like I side with Frankenstein being like, sure, buddy, why don't you uh, run some errands for me? I'm going to go not to a graveyard. Yeah, he's yeah. kind of trying to stop the story from happening. And you kind of exactly. know it on a subconscious level. So I think that's where, you know, it's like, oh, he doesn't want the Like, if he gets his way, that we won't have a satisfying ending. We won't, you know, we won't have all these things that we, we need to have happen. We won't have a satisfying happen. beginning if yeah. he gets his way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll just have the animated dog, basically, and then that's where it ends. So we yeah. made a dog, old friend. Yeah, it's <laughs> and great. They'll have, a, they'll have a new method for you know putting people under while they have surgery. And it's like, <laughs> all imagine right. if during that scene he'd actually convinced Victor Frankenstein to stop. Like, you know what? Okay, fine. 
you're right. And just the rest of the movie is just them like filling out medical journals and like going, <laughs> having symposiums and things like that. And the end of it is like it's the same like amount of time. Like Victor's like, like his marriage is troubled because he's still sleeping with the maid because she didn't die. And Kim's just sitting there smoking a pipe. Like, wow, what a wonderful contribution to science we made. And Victor's just like glaring daggers. Like, yep, sure was great. Kim, old friend. It just becomes like a period <laughs> drama. Basically. <laughs> the many woes of Victor Frankenstein. Yeah. The, 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 the movie about Krempa, like just his unrequited love for the uh, the the Baroness or whatever she is, and he just he just broods for the whole movie about how she married Frankenstein. So. I revived so many dogs for you, my love. Yeah, and that's that's how it works out for Crump. The fact that Frankenstein does all this evil th- evil stuff removes him from the love triangle, so that Krempa gets his happy ending. So she'd be thankful that Frankenstein never listened to him. Yeah. Also, I feel like another thing that might be making people not like him is he kind of had, he seemed to have intentions towards Elizabeth that might have been somewhat self-serving. Do you know what I mean? Well, there is that. I mean, I don't know that he ever does anything. uh, Like I said, he does have that motive. I don't know that he ever does anything deliberately obvious in a way. But yeah, you're right. The whole yeah. time he really does want to uh, yeah. find a reason to have her not like like uh, the Baron. Yeah, and, at the, and the it's, is, it's, at the end of the movie, it seems kind of more apparent to me that that is what's going I, on. I think so. Like that very yeah, last scene. Right, you're right. At the end of no... the ending, him not him just pretending, oh no, it's a lie, mm-hmm. it is, is, is what, just a dirty move there. Definitely. Which is interesting because it almost makes you, it almost could have made the movie be that this was just a fantasy in his head and he was just a crazed killer. Do you know what I mean? Like that's, but they just, they deviate just enough from it that it doesn't, you know, they can't really, it doesn't have that heavy a level of doubt. But uh, it doesn't. Yeah, but we we only see the narrator Frankenstein is a very different character in just how broken he is mm-hmm. from the one that we we hear of him telling us. Of. Mm-hmm. So there is some level of that too, which again that's true to the novel, and I kind of like it. There's there's enough. There's not a huge thing like you're saying, but there's enough that that ambiguity, yeah. the little it, kernels there. It's, it's I conceivable. Think the thing that reduces the ambiguity is the Krempa. Just Krempa's performance in that scene is just of someone who is just deliberate. There's just yeah. this, there's a, a yeah. sense of him lying when he you know, when he yeah. denies it. It's yeah. just it doesn't feel like a genuine. What are you talking about? Yeah. It does it just it's it's phony somehow. But I think that could have been an interesting ending too if they had leaned more into yeah. that side of it. That might have been too cerebral for this flick. This is kind of trashy. Yeah, um, yeah, I get you. Yeah, you kind of want it to all be true. You want the monster to have existed at the end of the day and not have it just been a figment of his imagination or something. Um, I also like that they kill it and bring it back to life. I think my favorite scene is when it's just hanging from a hook in his yeah. laboratory and he's like, I'm going to fix you, buddy. <laughs> well, it's kind of nice because like he can. That's, it sort of establishes that he can just keep bringing things back to life like there's no reason why he couldn't you know so right like he just hits the reset button yeah you know especially with that brain surgery that he's gotten so good at you know like that <laughs> but uh but yeah i don't know so um yeah i i, I love that you like have you talk about him mastering brain surgeon like he took up knitting <laughs> oh he's gotten so good at it he knitted me a brain well, that's kind of you know it's kind of the the, the way that he seems to master skills like he becomes like yeah, like, a genius scientist in two years of tutoring with with krempa you know it's, it's uh 
Well, that's what's fun about that is that you're right. They, they treat it the same way, too. So this is kind of honestness to that uh, perspective that makes it really funny. And, uh, <laughs> Took a brain surgery what, on the side. It's a hobby. Be, because this was rated X, what do you... How, did, how would you guys uh, talk about the gore that's in this movie and the blood? Because obviously things have moved in a certain, you know, much more extreme direction since this film has come out. Um, True. Um, I, I feel like it was unflinching. It's, like, I think the moment that drove it home for me the most, and there's a lot of moments that would have driven it home for the audience at the time, but for me it was seeing the guy topple off the stairs and actually hit his like yeah. head and neck and topple over like that. I've never seen that in a movie. That's yeah. just this unblinking, here is a man being murdered moment that's pretty intense and that's i think that's one of the few scenes where they don't pan away from the violence too because in a lot of the other scenes it's like like when he cuts off the head you don't actually see him cut off the head they they pan over to krempa and you can see him working but you don't actually see him sawing through the head and you you see some of him working you don't see the gore and you hear it yeah it's still pretty present but you're imagining what's happening you're not actually seeing it but when you watch the guy die you're not imagining it you see every moment of that murder which i think makes that scene so much more effective because even justine i don't think you actually see her get killed you just see her scream and then and then what does he say pass the marmalade please which uh That that's another thing. Yeah. Some of the cuts to things like that are really clever at helping to show just what a lack of moral compass he has. You know, the the marmalade scene really stands out for me in that respect. Well, there's, where... Yeah. There's a scene when they've got the guy that was hanged that they've just recovered from the gibbet and and just the the casualness that Frankenstein's kind of taking this guy apart and Krempa's kind of reaction. It's like that. Yeah. And then at the end of that scene, he's like, Oh, I'm very hungry. Let's go eat something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Appetite <laughs> that unaffected. Was, that was, that was yeah. Great. There's lots, there's so many little touches just to show how callous he is throughout the whole movie. Yeah. yeah and that, 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 and that remark always surprises me because even, even if you're not thinking in terms of, gee, how could he, I, I, I feel like, wouldn't he feel dirty after handling a body? Like, wouldn't he? Like, I, I wouldn't think that food would be the. You, I think shower or bathing comes before. Let's go eat. You know. Uh, all right. As far as uh, any other rated X, it's clearly not rated X based on any kind of erotic content. It's really just well, the gore. Well, the scene, and... the scene with well, the with the maid might have been a little bit too racy for this period. It's. I mean, the thing is, too, like I said, it is it is the the rate, the X rating in Britain the, isn't the, the same thing. You know, I mean, it, like I said, in America, like it was just uh, it's like, oh, it's super sexy or su- it's I mean, it's just a it's it's a don't take your kids thing, I think, at the time, really. But, well, so uh, it's, and it's a 1957 X rating, too, which. Yeah, uh, exactly. Exactly. Uh, well, like I was saying it's both both elements, but uh but yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, for the time period, it is pretty disturbing. And the body falling scene, too, just to go back to that again, it is really well done. Because a lot of times in movies when you have this thing where it's clearly, it's got to be a dummy that does it. Because there's not like something a stunt person could do. But it it's done in a way where it doesn't look fake at all, which movies yeah. often kind of slip yeah. up. <laughs> I was surprised at like just how real it looked. It was actually unsettling. I did note that the point of impact like sunk in like a wrestling mat would to absorb some impact. But like, there's nothing to like. He doesn't have his hands up or anything. Like when a wrestler hits the mat, like they've got like an arm. Oh, so you're saying it might have been a person that actually fell down and not a dummy? You think? 
Like it looked like a person. It didn't look like a dummy at all. Um, I'd so... be interested to know which it was because I didn't notice the ground giving way. But if it did, then maybe it would have been possible if the person had. Yeah, visually, it's it's really subtle because it's just like this little four square that's right mm-hmm. there, and he hits like he hits it dead in the middle with his noggin, and it sinks in, and the rest <laughs> of it does too, just enough that you can you can kind of note that okay. there's like something cushioning it from below, which I assume was either like spring suspension mm-hmm. or something along those lines. Yeah. This is all theoretical, but that's what it looked like. So, yeah, so I don't know. Um, so overall impression of this movie, now that you've had a chance to see it, like and comparing it to, to the vampire, uh, not the vampire, to the horror of Dracula. You know, what, what, what uh, you know, what's, what's the, uh, the end review here? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I really liked the focus on Victor a lot. I did, because uh, he's really focused on the novel, and I always felt like he was a lot more nefarious than uh, than he made himself out to be. So I like this take on him quite a bit. Uh, some of the stuff they added whole cloth, like especially like you guys are just talking about, where he's cutting off a guy's crow-eaten head and just putting it casually in a burlap sack, and he's like, "Yep, let's get." And then dinner. he puts it in acid, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, that's right. Get that's that, right. get that cooking. Uh, I love that. I, I love uh, it's it's got a serial killer vibe and I've I've got a real soft spot for serial killers you know your uh, Norman Bates and what have you I, just, I love them um, I really like the monster too because it's not like he's unsettling in a way that I don't feel other versions of Frankenstein are he looks uh, very he, human he looks very human I think is why. Mm-hmm. He looks human and ghoulish yeah. in, in a way that, like, you can really tell that there's something horrifically wrong with him. Mm-hmm. And I especially love the scene, like I said, where he's dead and hanging in the laboratory, and he just brings him back. Um, also, um, the, the the scene where he's first, uh, like, awoken, I didn't realize that Rocky Horror Picture Show stole from that. I thought that was unique to the Rocky Horror Picture Show. They steal that scene, and I guess they do a little homage to it in that well, when the, they're bringing Rocky to life. Even the Kenneth Branagh Frankenstein seems to be an expansion on that concept, right? Of of using like the fluid to right to to bring him yeah, to it's, life. It's very vague in the novel, so you could kind yeah, of put whatever yeah. weird ritual you want there. There there are implements that are mentioned, and like that's it. Yeah. It's very, it's very like just oh, it, and then I brought him to life, you know, whatever. And then the monster, it's it's not glossed over exactly, but it's left extraordinarily vague. And you get the feeling from the novel that he's leaving it vague so that no one else can do what he's done because he recognized his mistake. Um, but yeah, I, I like the fluid quite a bit, and it's 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 a good build up, and um, I, I really liked this movie. Uh, it doesn't overstay its welcome. Uh, it's powerfully character driven. It's really wonderfully gory in certain places. Uh, I like the creature, like the characters. I like this movie. It's well constructed. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm with you on that. It's, uh, I mean, I, 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 you know, I'll wait a little bit on on Horror of Dracula as I didn't get to talk about that last week. But I, yeah, I think this is a superior movie to Horror of Dracula, as good as that is, because I felt like all the liberties it took and things like that, they all made total sense to me. I'm like, I get while they're doing this. There were things in Horror of Dracula where I was a little like, why did they Why did they make Harker not the wife of Willamette? What's going on? Why are these characters being shifted around all over the place? And it wasn't like, it wasn't like any of it was necessarily bad, but I was just perplexed. Whereas I felt like 
every change that they made from the book or the previous movies, I was like, okay, yeah, you're, this makes total sense to me. And I, I wasn't really bothered by any of it in the way that I was with uh, Horror of Dracula, which I still very much liked. But, uh, you know. Yeah, I, I, and I think this is a, a great movie. This is, um, I, I too think it's better than Horror of Dracula. I like Horror of Dracula, but I'd much rather sit down to watch like all of the Frankenstein movies from Hammer than all of the Dracula movies from Hammer. I, but, you know, both mm-hmm. of those things are a lot of fun. But the Frankenstein series, it's, number one, it's just, it, the, the Cushing in this role is just so interesting. <laughs> and... And you want to spend time with this character, even though he's such a bad person. You're kind of curious yeah. to see just how bad he's going to be by the end of it. Do you know what I mean? You're, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a bad guy that you want to spend time with. And so he's a good villain in that respect. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and he's not, he's not like, like, usually when I like a villain, it's because he says witty things or he does, you know, and that's not the case here. It's, this is like a genuinely charming villain, even though he's cold and, you know, not particularly nice to people. He's just kind of a jerk, but he still is interesting. I think because they really emphasize the intellectual side of the character and his, you know, so, so he seems like somebody that you could have a good conversation with. He just might try to murder you at the end of that conversation (laughs) and steal a body part. So, um, but, but yeah, so I, I, I like this film and, and I, I like, I like the series that it's a part of. And, uh, it's, it's definitely, this and like you know movies like frankenstein must be destroyed are the films that i think of when i think of hammer films um so yeah so uh, i guess we'll you know uh we'll be back on next time and i don't know if we, if we did we pick a movie for the next episode or no not that i know of okay. we have a whole list to pick from so. Right. oh yeah so so we'll see which direction we're gonna go i should say also <laughs> Just if there are other Hammer Studio or Hammer Films movies that people want to see, I would recommend movies like The Mummy or um, I like Lost Continent, even though that's really weird, and films like Vampire Lovers and stuff like that. There's a, there's a lot of really delicious Hammer movies to watch, but um, but definitely those are kind of the ones that always pop up in my head as you know that, that I'm fond of, and and also Plague of the Zombies and Reptile. Um, so yeah, so we'll. We'll be back on, and until then, we will talk to you later.